Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Tech Witch, Episode 104, Grand Mer. Written by Trey Livingston. Story by Damian Taylor and Trey Livingston. Narration by Caitlin Martin. The Voice. The only cure for pain is sleep. The sweet disconnect that separates us from the horrors of life. The base tech and witchling appear atop a sheer cliff looking down at a swamp-like marsh. Large trees, sharp branches, murky waters. The witchling reaches out toward the swamp, emitting a dim, pulsating green glow. From deep within the swamp, beneath the surface of the water, the faint outline of something large and round pulsates in kind, mimicking the witchling's power. The two unlikely companions look to each other, not sure they want to continue, but knowing they must. They turn to the steep slope below, a dangerous descent. The base tech's hands morph into sharp claws. The witchling's branches wrap around him like ivy, all while still clutching the book. The voice, but for beings that don't sleep, the only release is death. They begin their descent, the base tech crawling along the smooth rock facade facing downward. He slips, falls forward, with one hand still firmly embedded, his body swings out, the witchling clinging to his back. The base tech slips all the way out. They plummet towards the swamp's jagged trees, falling into the foliage, out of sight, only for the base tech to look up and see that he's hanging from the witchling, who now hangs from a tree. They exchange a look that, if they had proper mouths, would be considered smiles when... Crack! The tree snaps. Both fall into the water with giant splashes. The large round object beneath the surface rises up. It's like a cocoon made of a massive, petrified honeycomb. Each tiny indentation pulsates with green light, now faster and brighter than before. Like it's been awakened. The voice. For some, death is the end. For others, it's only the beginning. We're in a Louisiana swamp, where Lowell and Brigitte navigate their way across slippery walks and slimy mud. Lowell, I will pay you a hundred dollars if we can go home and try this on a Ouija board. Brigitte, ha, you afraid? Lowell, no. Brigitte, I am. Lowell, then we should head back. Brigitte, yeah, I'm afraid. 
that my brother might wet his pants. <laughs> Lol. I... Uh, let's get this over with. Brigitte points at an open clearing. Not much of anything, but she acknowledges it like it's something special. Brigitte, your wish is my command. Lol. Huh? What are you talking about? Brigitte pushes Lowell to make him lean over so that he peers through the gap between two pretty, nondescript swamp trees, revealing a tiny shack that's only visible through the gap. He leans back. It's not there. He leans over. He sees it again. Lowell. Whoa! How are we even seeing that? Brigitte. Probably because we're full-on magical beings now. Or something. Come on, we can't keep the necromancer waiting all day. Brigitte marches through the magical tree gap. It takes Lowell a moment to register what's going on. Lowell. Necromancer? Wait, a a necromancer? Lowell catches up to Brigitte. We can't talk to a necromancer. Brigitte. Why not? It's in the name. Necromancer. Brigitte. I'm not following. Lowell. It's evil sounding. Brigitte. It's better sounding than person who plays with dead people. Don't be such a baby. Come on, can't keep a necromancer waiting. It'll be fine. Moments later, inside the cabin, a hunched-over hooded figure sits in the corner, its face shrouded in darkness, regardless of where it moves. It has gray, old, withered hands like they were drained of whatever color they once had, definitely not natural, and capped with sharp, long, pointed fingernails that resemble deformed claws. Brigitte and Lowell stand across from the necromancer, in an open space made of rotten wood with a single window, covered in layers of what can only be referred to as thick, dark red, almost black sludge. The walls are lined with an arsenal of hunting knives and machetes. Brigitte instinctively takes a step closer to Lowell, conceding how freaky this is. The necromancer. You wish to speak to the dead. Brigitte. That's correct. And this is your offering? The necromancer looks at Lowell. At this point, the only thing wider than his eyes is his dropped jaw. He looks delectable. Brigitte. He's crossing over with me. This is your offering. Brigitte reaches into her backpack and pulls out a bag of candy corn. Lowell. Oh, gross. The necromancer. Oh, goody. Brigitte hands over the bag. The necromancer slices it open with one of her sharp nails and proceeds to toss pieces of the candy into the dark void where her mouth should be. There is an excessive chittering, clattering, like something is rattling in that void. Lowell. Seriously? As if I wasn't freaked out enough. Quiet, Brigitte whispers to Lowell. The necromancer eats another piece of candy corn. This is good, but perhaps not the tastiest offering you have, eh? The twins don't answer. Even though Lowell can't see the necromancer's eyes, he knows she's looking at him. To whom do you wish to speak? Brigitte pulls out a photo. It's faded and worn. Cracks line the edges. It's of a younger Lowell and Brigitte from when they were much smaller, with Grandmère Matthew. Ah, my dear old friend. I can send you to her right away. Take my hand and your souls will go, but your bodies must remain. 
The necromancer raises a gray hand, looking more skeletal than humanly possible. Lo, our bodies stay? Of course. Lowell, nuh-uh, no way. How do we know you won't eat us? I have plenty of candy to keep you safe. The necromancer holds up the bag. Some way, somehow, it's empty. Oh, perhaps consider returning before I get hungry again. Fair? Lowell, nope. Ain't happening. I'm out. Without warning, Brigitte takes Lowell's hand, then grabs the necromancers. A sudden whoosh of light and energy passes over them, leaving them someplace gray. Every rock, the ground they stand on, the barren trees they see, all sickly, sad, gray. Lowell uses his foot to smear the dirt. The top layer comes off to reveal that the gray state of things is a layer of burnt ash. What the? Brigitte? Lowell looks around, wildly. Brigitte is gone. He looks up ahead. A small child, one that looks exactly like Brigitte did in the old photo, is peeking out from behind a rock. The instant Lowell sees her, the child darts back behind the rock with a giggle that echoes out from every direction. Oh God, what am I doing? I've become a horror movie cliché. Lowell chases after her, jumps behind the rock where she disappeared, only to find Brigitte, sitting with Grandmère Matthew in what appears to be a cozy living room setting albeit one without walls, right there in the middle of all the ash. Grandmère looked small in her vintage recliner positioned on the edge of a shaggy carpet. A dim lamp is to her right, next to a table with a steaming cup of tea. Her curly hair is cropped, short, natural, mostly white with some streaks of dark gray. Despite her size, something about her is commanding. Perhaps it's the confidence of a survivor, someone whose strength comes from a lifetime of defying seemingly impossible odds. And to her left, Brigitte, just as she was in the shack, sitting on the carpet like a child at story time. Brigitte, Lowell, about time you got here. Lowell, what are you talking about? I just... Now, now, stop with all the jaw jerking. Time is a relative thing around these parts, if there is even time at all. Lowell approaches cautiously, not sure this is what it's supposed to be. Always the cautious one, my little master, Lowell. You got so big! Brigitte has been catching me up on everything while we waited. It sounds like you've been having some exciting times when you haven't been, um, what's the word? Digitizing the book. Lowell, you told her? Brigitte, I didn't, actually. You did. All your short lives, you were led to believe you were untouched by magic. Close to it, but not a part of it. Brigitte, but we have power now. A lot of it. Well, at least I do. Lowell rolls his eyes. Brigitte, why is it coming out now? Has it just been building up all this time? Grandmère, perhaps the question is not what power you have so much as where does it come from? Brigitte, it comes from us. Oh, child, I hear you say that. I know you mean it to be true, but I only feel the power coming from one source and it's stirring to be set loose. On that... A low rumble of thunder drums up in the distance. Back in the shack, the necromancer drags a stool over to Lowell, where he and Brigitte hover in the air in suspended animation, their eyes shut but their mouths open. The necromancer squeezes Lowell's arm, pulls off his jacket revealing a nice, plump bicep, and lays her bony fingers right on the thick of it. 
Oh, I'm sure one little bite won't hurt. Creak. Something makes a noise inside the shack, like a single footstep on the floor. Something that puts the necromancer on high alert. Show yourself. Ding. The dangling knives move ever so slowly, possibly the breeze, when the necromancer backhands the empty air beside her. Only it's not empty. It's Kylie, who seems to fall out of thin air. Hiding in a cloaking pocket, little witch. Cute. Kylie picks herself up. Brigitte knew you'd want to eat them, so I'm here to make sure that doesn't happen. I don't want to eat them. Just him. The necromancer runs its fingers down Lowell's cheek. Kylie stands her ground. I'm not going to let that happen. Pray tell, child. How do you hope to accomplish that? Kylie's lack of response and wandering eyes make it clear. She has no freaking idea. The necromancer chuckles, a chuckle that turns into a deep, rigorous laughter. Kylie charges it. The necromancer backhands her across the shack into the wall. She slams against it, hard, enough to knock the wind out of her, but not enough to knock her out. Now, sit still and watch. Lunch is always quite the show. The necromancer pulls a machete-like blade out of its sleeve, clearly kept in a place by otherworldly means. It's ancient, rusty, used. Back on the other side, Lowell helps Brigitte to her feet. Grandmère, tell me you're gonna stay for tea. Brigitte, we'd love to, but we used a necromancer to get here. Grandmère cringes, as though the word stings her. Foul creatures, those necromancers. Lowell, you mean they aren't human? Grandmère, not by the time they become full-blown necromancers. <gasps> no, it's gonna eat you! In the shack, the necromancer uses the tip of its blade to cut open Lowell's sleeve. Oh, how I've waited for this. The necromancer looks up and sees that Kylie is gone. I need to get an assistant. Wham! The stool is slammed across the necromancer's head by an invisible force. The stool shatters, leaving one broken leg still floating in the air as Kylie steps out of her cloaking pocket once more. Kylie, eat that, you! The necromancer whips around to face Kylie. Its hood knocked off due to Kylie's attack, revealing nothing more than a skull covered in patches of decaying skin with two mismatched eyeballs rolling around in the sockets. If Kylie weren't preoccupied with wondering how she was going to survive, she'd be shitting herself. Her fears amplified by the necromancer's roar as it leaps right at her. Back on the other side, Grandmère stands, a painful endeavor. Even in this dimension, it underscores the importance of what she's about to say. You have to go! Brigitte, wait, we haven't learned anything about our powers. You need to find the source. Power that great is wild, untamed. It can't be contained in you. It's gonna flow to those closest to you. Balance the source. Only then can you master it. Lowell, we're not the source? She points to both of them. You, together, are not. Lowell looks to Brigitte, realizing, so it's just Brigitte then. Brigitte takes a deep breath, looks at Grandma one last time. <sighs> Take care, Grandma. Thank you. She folds up the picture she had of all three of them, an act that pulls her and Lowell speeding through this gray world, 
everything becoming a blur until they're back in the shack. Their bodies are lowered to the ground where they return to life, right as the necromancer is in the midst of leaping towards Kylie. It takes Lowell all of a millisecond to realize what's happening. No! Still holding Brigitte's hand, gold energy, the same gold energy as when tech and witch magics meld, writhes from Lowell's eyes, wrapping around the wailing necromancer like a serpent, squeezing and setting it aflame, burning the creature until all that remains is a pillar of ash that slowly crumbles to the floor. All three catch their breath as Lowell looks back and forth between Brigitte and Kylie, unaware that his eyes still emit a golden glow with steam curling around them. Lowell, Kylie, why are you looking at me like that? Your eyes, they're, um, they're glowing. Lowell looks at Brigitte, who gives him a confirming nod. Then, to the lone window, where he sees his reflection in the murky glass, not sure what this means for him. Or Brigitte. Or the future. To be continued. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.